0: In this episode of Everything Hurts, we chat about James's new industry job, why he quit academia, and the biggest differences between academia and industry. We also cover the importance of early career researchers having a plan B for their careers. Welcome to Everything Hurts. My name is Dan Quintana from the University of Oslo, and I'm here with James Heathers, and you were from,
1: where are you from now, James? I am the Chief Scientific Officer of CypherSkin. Hello. Hi.
0: That is- How uh, you doing?
1: Yeah. It's been such a long time. You've always had one way of introducing me. Oh, no, there's no more university. Oh, no, I've ruined your introduction. Gonna have to I'm change. sorry, I've ruined your introduction. Daniel, have, what will we do?
0: We're going to have to change it up, but th- that is really the, 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 the topic of what we're going to be talking about in this episode um, because this is the first time that we've recorded an episode, um, after which you've you've made your switch to yeah. to doing your stuff in in industry. So I think there's uh your your medium blog got a lot of interest. A lot of people read it. Yeah,
1: us. yeah, yeah, yeah. A lot of people really like the content, and I got equally as many remarks about being over what what essentially is is me poking the bear. Um, I've. I'm flummoxed sometimes by how seriously people will take six words out of 2400. What <laughs> what are people doing? I formally I formally apologize to anyone who lives in a corn-based economy state.
0: Oh uh, yeah, that one.
1: I'm not I'm I'm not having a go at your thing, at your place of, you know, this is a, a, your town that I can't fly to and I don't know where it is. I I can't. I mean, I'm if, if I was writing that without a kind of sense of tongue-in-cheekedness, I, I would have said something about being a cosmopolitan person who grew up for 30 years in a city with four and a half million people. Yeah. Um, I, I, I like the countryside. I like small towns for a week. And then after <laughs> that, uh, I, I start having thoughts of, like, the, all the first four Mad Max films about riding through the town on a motorcycle covered in razors, spitting napalm and aids at everything I see. It just it's just not for me. So, so, so you so So you'd never that you'd never, and hmm,
0: what? So you'd never you'd never live rural if you could have a completely if you could put your top telework. You'd never do
1: it. If I moved to a farm and had to never talk to anyone ever again, I'd consider it. But I mean that's also not like small city life. I don't know. Look, suffice to say, I'm a big city person who expresses myself volubly and unpleasantly when I'm tired. And if you've heard anything I've ever said, this shouldn't come as any kind of surprise. But anyway, whatever. I mean, yeah, that's the point of writing it all down. You know I mean? That was quite selfish of me to do that because I couldn't... I didn't want to explain it to everyone I'd ever met. And... I don't tell people every plan that I've got and everything that's happening with my life all the time, but, I mean, that felt like it was worth explaining. Um, I had a lot of messages from a lot of people who were wondering, like, what the fuck's going on? And the answer is it's, it's pretty simple. This is not a good world space. This is not a good economy. This is not a good point in history to be a young scientist. Full stop end of story. There's far more people than there are opportunities. And when you start restricting them to geographies and fields and people that you like, um it becomes it's like it's like two places in the world. Yeah, it becomes smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller. And the thing is you could spend your entire life working towards that and simply find yourself in a point where there are no immediate opportunities to do something. You perpetually Shotgunned between two poles of money and availability, and the rest of the world isn't Norway. I mean, I, I can. It, this really has brought into perspective for me how much you like it, simply because of the whole sort of form of an implied stability. You wake up every morning going, "I'm going to do science. I'm probably going to enjoy myself today," and an awful lot of people who do science do not have that fucking luxury. So. Part of me was very burned out on continual uncertainty from all possible angles. And I have thought for a very long time what the alternative would be, and I always had options. I always put myself into the position to have options. How many times have we talked about having a plan B and a plan C and shit like that and what you could actually do?
0: Since, since our PhDs, seven, seven years ago.
1: And at some point in time, it's not even a matter of, like, the writing's on the wall. It's a matter of this is a really difficult situation, and I don't know how I'm going to moderate trying to work in this space with the work I want to do. With also with who I am. Can you imagine someone who's heard of my work at a relatively conservative institution turning up to watch a job talk from me? <laughs> I've seen your talks. I get it. I yeah I know, and I was know probably moderating my tone a lot. Well, actually, sometimes not so much. I didn't do too good at those ones. But you take all that, you take all that down, and it's it's somewhat navigable. There are there, there are ways to make a life within this sort of space, but then you plague everything on top of that. And that really was—I uh, just described this the other day as the falling shipping container that broke the camel's back. I wouldn't have fucking straw about it. It fell from the <laughs> sky, and wrecked a lot of shit. And in a way that in a way that you're adding more significant unpredictabilities. And after I got work rights here, and it was legal for me to do consulting, I started looking around for. Like, what are the options within the sort of extant commercial space? And I, I know the people that I'm working for now. I had other options. Um, it was just that I really wanted to do this, and that was the space to be able to do it. Because I think consulting so- is,
0: is a really good bridge across because uh, a lot of people look at this idea of, okay, am I going to go to industry? And, of course, it's much- it's much easier to actually put dip your toe in the water, so to speak, do a little bit of yeah. consulting, rather than going. Okay, now it's time to look. And I think I think it's a, sure. yeah, and it's an option. I mean, oh. of course, you were limited by sort of visa stuff, which is which is an enormous limitation, and a lot of people. are- Enormous limitation. It was, I, I
1: limitation. It, was il- it was illegal. illegal. Yeah, I, the, I, the idea. So I didn't do it because of the illegality and the fact that if you break the law and you're on the visa, you'll get deported. Yeah. <laughs> and it's very easy for people to find out that you would have broken the law because someone else would have started issuing you payments and sending the information to the IRS. Yeah. Which is, which is that supposed to do? Because, you know, you're working for people who are in real companies, who are doing real stuff. And um, at some point in time, your taxable information says you're doing something that's illegal. Of course, So you don't fucking do it.
0: They'll, they'll catch up to you.
1: But also, but also, I mean, that's also not the point of the visa. It's also kind of a dick move. You're not supposed to be doing that. That's not the conditions under which you accepted the fact that you were coming to the country in the first place. Mm. I hear people screaming, abolish all borders in my, in my head. It's like, I'd, 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 I'd settle in the short term for uh, uh, some, like, loosening of visa restrictions. Yeah. It's like, so call me a fucking centrist. <laughs> oh, that was some good thunder. We're going to have thunder through this episode. This is going to be, this is gonna be the, th- the
0: thunder episode.
1: Now- Yeah, hell yeah. So, no, no, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let me just say, say, say something. You're saying consulting is a great way to dip your toe into the water. Now, people are having- probably three different thoughts in that. One is like you would say that you competent white fuck would be the first thing. <laughs> um, the second thing would be oh, I wonder how that could possibly be achieved And the third people or the third set of people, I'm sorry, I'm extremely tired. I mean even by my standards this has been an extraordinary transition but we'll get to that. The third thing people might be thinking is what the fuck is a consultant do? Where, what, what, what even is that space? So, you know, you can, you know, I, I love it when people call you white, Dan Daniel Santiago Quintana. You're, white are you're, you're man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're the whitest motherfucker I've ever met. Yeah. I used to lie to people. People might not know this. I used to lie to people and tell them that Dan was Mexican. Did um, you? <laughs> and they didn't, I, they, they didn't know. And when they caught me out, I used to say you were Peruvian. Closer. I know I know it's closer. it's just sort of I I love, I love watching people get tripped up when they when they talk to you. Um, <laughs> you know there's sort of like, oh I have a commonality with your your uh, your race/ ethnicity that James made up for you and you would always handle it with such grace because you're such a nice man and everyone would get fearsomely embarrassed and then get uh, really angry with me for having said that in the first place. Um, but it never bothered you because you're such a sunny chap.
0: It's uh, look. I, I'm just. I'm just keen to hear some I remember when I was down in, in Florida. I'd be in the stores and people would just start speaking speaking to me in Spanish. Well, this is amazing. Yeah, yeah. I'm back with my and people.
1: Your, and your Spanish is terrible.
0: Well, I can understand it all, but speaking it's very terrible. I, I do very poorly down in in Spain. Spain. They have no idea mm. what, I'm, what I'm talking about, but uh, you know it's enough to get by. But yeah, well, um, there
1: you so, hey, so hang on, you're coming, you're, you're coming from a northern country, going to Spain, and unable to speak Spanish. I think you are a white guy. Yeah,
0: <laughs> no, they, 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 it's you know, you know how you can speak enough to, to to impress the locals, and they're like, oh yeah, you know this 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 isn't just some typical tourist that comes in, mm. you know,
1: good it, a louse. Good at you. Look, at least at least he's making an effort. Making, he's, he's 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 me- good. It, it is good of you to make an effort. Um, so look, here's, 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 here's the thing. I'll tell you, I'll tell you one single, one single fact about this. I've met a lot of people who've asked questions, um, especially in the recent past, the things like, how do I get an industry job? If you ask that question like that, you're in trouble. I've seen people walk up to career fairs and do that. I've had people ask me personally, how you do that. Um, I had a guy once ask me what an industry job was, which gives you an idea of just how high the walls around mental academia can be, you know, as if the entire commercial world doesn't exist. And he had to be introduced to the idea of companies. Phenomenal. Um, yeah, look, if you're turning up in that space um, and you're thinking, how do I get me one of them industry jobs? Um, you won't. Um, because that is a place of probably too much naivete to cross the, that particular bridge you've got a lot of figuring stuff out to do, what roles exist What you what you might ostensibly do and then there's something that I've discovered in the last little while that I knew but had never really experienced so I didn't really know it and that is so much of business is about people in a way that formal academic science is not. So much of it is about the interface between you and what you need to do going through other people rather than you sitting down and figuring it out yourself. It is ridiculous. The amount of people you talk to in any given day is appalling. The amount of people that you meet is substantial. Um, Everywhere, all the time, people, 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 people. I mean, you can see why they had that, that thing that I always thought was vaguely nauseating, like the idea of soft skills a little <laughs> while back. Um, as if, as, uh, I mean, it just seems like a, a, what, they, what they mean is difficult to quantify. Not that fucking difficult. I mean, a lot of the time you can spot tiers of people and how well they kind of navigate general human space very easily. But holy shit, yeah, it's like uh, interpersonally competent, high fluid intelligence sort of roles. Wow, if you if you feel like that's missing from your life, um, I would seriously look into this whole idea of working for people who have money. Um, because the other thing that's happened is I'm I'm exhausted, guy, getting this off the ground, trying to get into the right kind of space. But honestly, I'm having a I'm having a really good time. Why? Because I always liked being excited and overwhelmed and having things to do. I like the fact that the I, I now make reasonably consequential decisions, at least that I'm relied upon. I don't know. Maybe it was. Maybe it was an authority thing. Maybe I'm mad for power. No, honestly, it's about the nexus and the interrelationship between. Working closely with people to do something hard, and it it reveals to me maybe science would have been a better experience for me all along if um if I'd had a, a closer collaborative environment. I mean, there's lots of projects that I've enjoyed, but this is a whole new world of this is a whole new world of hurt. This is a whole new world of just the it, every day explodes out of the calendar, and there's an element to which it's totally overwhelming and there's an element also to that where I know that I'll get used to it and some sometime I'll figure out how to sleep again um, <laughs> but yeah I mean there's it- a lot of people listening to this who would probably be happier doing something else because part of me part of me knows I will be do you want to know the best part Dan mm-hmm. kind of the absolute best part the other night I was dicking around doing some error detection stuff by myself in the middle of the night. And I didn't have a single sense of I should be doing something that was more project-focused. I should be doing something useful and publishable with my time. I thought uh, it was important. What a, had what a weight off the it. shoulders, seriously. I, yeah. Do you know what? It was. It was. There was a weird sort of freedom in it. And I was really surprised by the fact that even though I was knackered and I just needed to do something else for a bit that it was much better at holding my attention all of a sudden because you do so, it because
0: you wanted to do it
1: yeah and that's and those those were those were the projects I could never really get started that's a, I kind of I feel like I kind of run out of career to be able to put myself <laughs> in a place to be able to do that that's not to say it won't ever happen. I'm certainly not going to stop doing it in the meantime. actually, I've got a couple of things I'm working on right now, very slowly on the quiet air detection stuff, but uh, yeah, but i'll probably I'll probably get them done fairly soon, like short medium term because they're because they want to, yeah, I, I was think- looking at it, it was like if everything calms down a bit, I may actually get more science science done like something that I'd consider important then. I would previously, while I was a scientist, that's just crazy. I'm almost used. I'm almost used to talking about it in the past tense. And look, what I do now is hard. I'm still getting used to the the, the kind of inherent challenges of it. So, so what Especially, are you doing day to day for for the for the folks listening? Okay, what well, does
0: the chief scientist do?
1: Chief, do ch- chief, a- chief, chief, scientific. Of the the title is not. Important Because at a startup, everyone's role overlaps with everyone else's role to a certain degree. So I handle academic partnership stuff and external relations stuff and broader strategic scientific goal setting and immediate decision making about how to build and deploy wearable devices, which is no surprise to you because you've seen me fucking using them for more than a decade and writing about the signals they produce and occasionally poking around and ostensibly being the fucking head of a laboratory that used them. And then writing about signal theory and complaining to device reps and generally being in a space where they were a continual backbeat for more than a decade of the shit that we had to do. So the sort of the, the deployment of that, this is comes as no surprise to, to you, Mm -hmm. but other people who didn't used to sit in the same office might be thinking, what the fuck are you doing in a wearable device company? Because not doing error detection, I am some version of a computational physiologist, um, some version of a signal analyst, some version of a social scientist, all rolled together. And the common thread through all of that was, how do you get information out of people and turn it into something useful? I've just gone one step back up the chain rather than making inferential decisions about what the signals mean into a space where we're building the hardware that creates the signals. Nice. So, in that sense, it doesn't seem very complicated, does it?
0: No. Because it's an it's, it's, uh, it's, it's amazing mm. difference it makes when you're actually doing something that you're into. I mean, there are so many projects that, that, that I do that I'm like, gee, I've just lost the motivation and uh it's just so much harder to work on these things, but when you're when you're into yeah. it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well it's the other the other interesting thing is it's like when decisions have to be made and when you're dealing with people rather than ideas, you often find yourself hurtling past any ostensive barrier about um, you know, I can't really bring myself to work on this thing. Mm. There's no, that has been, that is gone. I'm already in the process of not missing it.
0: Did you know that our Everything Hurts patrons can get access to a library of 20 bonus episodes? Well, you do now. We release a bonus episode every month to our $5 a month patrons who also get a lifetime 20% discount on Hurch merchandise. We also have a $1 per month tier, which gives you access to a monthly newsletter, the merch discount, and the occasional bonus episode. If you want to support the show but can't swing the Patreon money, you can share a review or post about the show on social media instead, as we'd love that as well. Now, let's get back to the show. One of the reasons in, in your blog post, on, on top of things like sort of age and, and pedigree and temperament, that, that you left was.
1: Yeah. none out of three, huh?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Mindset. There's a, was a few good things in there. Was the fact that you hadn't actually, you'd applied for a few of these big grants, but you didn't actually land one. Just mm. even though there are all these other factors, would you have stuck around? Say you did land one of those big grants, even knowing that, you know, things like temperament and age were sort of working against you. If you did land one of those big grants, would you have, would you, would you have remained? Would you still be in a Probably.
1: Academia? Probably. Better I'd say better than average. Yeah, probably. Um, but I mean that was that was a while back now. That was before I was um, in a position to like set up and seriously think about what I'm doing now. I think it would have changed the course or something because some of those had so much money they could have been converted into faculty loans. Okay. Um you could I mean if you bring in enough money with enough structure over enough period of time and you go, well, we've got all this fucking cash i mean the way that it works here a lot of the time you just ask the dean nicely can you create a soft money position we've got three and a half years worth of money for me to do this thing can you just not just like change the title and the employment conditions we do that and a lot of the time they'll say yes and for people outside the US, the what fucking do, money exists
0: what does the faculty line mean
1: um basically the that there are a certain number of there are a certain number of people past a certain level of seniority where there are positions that are available for them to work in a department.
0: Okay.
1: And it changes. I've seen this used both ways, but it's usually been in the sense of simply the position exists available to be filled. And if you come up with – enough money to fill it yourself, there are situations where they'll just make it exist for you. I mean, say, for instance, you were working here, like somewhere fancy, the Harvards or some shit like that, right? And you were uh, a a postdoc, uh, like a well-established one or a research scientist, and you get enough money that your entire position is supported. Yeah. If you go and you apply for another grant, you may have even more money coming in but there's a point past where you can't say i need more salary support because you have all the salary support
0: but you use that to 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 pay other people to take your teaching position
1: um well yeah that can happen yeah absolutely but yeah. if it's a if it's a research if it's a research thing um if you have a research kind of job and I did I did some teaching, but it was always under the uh, the auspices of like I'm adding some bonus adjunct, like very low level professory, whatever.
0: Yeah, but what you uh, described is basically my position here. <laughs> that's exactly that's exactly what I'm doing I here. Thought your way.
1: position there was upside down and bare ass. Dan. <laughs> you know, you're telling me it's this.
0: It's it's this. Yeah. Okay. I've never heard of this sort of faculty line thing. But yeah, but that that's essentially that's essentially my uh, my position.
1: I never got to the point in time where I had to negotiate something like this, but I have seen this done and it was mentioned as a possibility. The the things that would have really filled that bucket, the things that would have really made a genuine difference, didn't happen. Um, and that is circumstance or, you know what, fuck it it's it's circumstance um we had we had a very large grant at what i guess i can call my old lab now that went in it got good reviews we changed it we made it more sophisticated until it was like even with several million dollars you're looking at it going oh my god like how will we get all this done even for several million dollars and 12 um involve faculty members at five institutions or something so it was just insanely ambitious and um would have been a very good use of the National Science Foundation's money. Um, we ask again and they say no. And we made some more changes, came up with some more partners, came up with some more sophisticated shit. Went in the third time where it was just like, I mean, this was a, like a shining jewel of grand production shit. And it got reviewed worse than the first time. So... I mean, this and this is this cuts back to the, like the uncertainty at the heart of everything. It's not just, you know, it's not even demoralizing. At some point in time, you don't really go, "Well, oh, this is a thing." You, you, you expect to be disappointed. You expect everything to be turgid and yeah. annoying and endless. It's just tiring. Past a certain point, it's just fucking fatiguing. Continually going back and starting again from zero, and it's not like oh oh, you hurt my feelings. It's not that. It's just the basic human hardwired response to perpetual uncertainty and no progress. And it doesn't doesn't feel like, like you, you know, like you're expecting your favorite relative to come and visit you while you're overseas and they're not coming and you go, oh, God, I'm disappointed. It's not the disappointment of loss. Eventually, it's just the fact that you become really apathetic towards the idea of progress ever being made under those parameters it's uncertainty and then you add visa uncertainty to money uncertainty and project uncertainty and job uncertainty and everything is there's there's no there's there's no way you can't these days especially you can't know someone and and move somewhere. it's like they can't get to know you and trust you and go, by virtue of our relationship, we can do this thing. Now, I understand why that's not supposed to be part of collective decision-making about large organizations because it invites nepotism. It means people employ people who look like them, and it means that you have a persistence of certain... Mindsets or ideas or expectations or assumptions that just go on forever. And that crosses over in a, a, a lot, a lot of different weird ways. And it's not a good thing. And universities have this very frontline, ostensive commitment to fairness. But what that also means is there's absolutely no way There's no way to do anything good enough that means that everything's going to change. There's no actual line you can get in front of. And everyone who's reared in the scholastic tradition has this idea. He's like, if you get enough A's, eventually they give you the big cup. It doesn't work like that. It's this whole, everything being graded or good enough or whatever. But at some point in time, there's no right, there's a right way to do an exam. There's no right way to write a grant. There's better or worse ones. But then they end up getting assessed by better or worse people.
0: Yeah, it's such a crap shit.
1: You can write one that's absolutely, I've seen grants that have been shut down. where I've read it and gone, oh my God, how could you not give her the money? How? How could you not? This is like I'm so embarrassed that I exist on the same planet as his application. <laughs> this is so <laughs> fucking good. Like, what if? What? If, how am I supposed to feel normal about my shit ever again when this exists? And you know, you get the the the, the wrong person. Someone doesn't like something. Some associative button is pushed, and suddenly everyone's in the shit. Yeah. All of the sources of uncertainty downrolled together it's, 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 and then you start you know and then so I'm, I'm not going to take you through the the full backstory of, of discussions that i had and things that i was offered but you put yourself in a situation the other thing that i realized is that when you say hey i'm really critical i'm a really critical scientist people wrote articles about what a fucking detail obsessed weirdo i've been about things and you meet people who are like, that's perfect. That's yeah. exactly what we want. We want someone who's gonna like, sure, yeah, knock all the stuff over. Tell us what we're doing wrong. We can talk about that. Do you have anything I could read about what a detail obsessed weirdo you are? It's actually pretty it's actually pretty well received if you turn up and you like you can even say, I've done this now, you can say data thug in an interview, and people will be like, Oh, what's that? That sounds fun. Rather, <laughs> <laughs> It's like, "Yeah, well, it's a you know, it's a part of a like commitment to broader scientific accuracy, and it's 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 using heuristics and mathematics to determine whether or not you can or can't trust something."
0: Yeah,
1: do do, do you feel and that, that now, you're of, now, now you're outside now
0: now now that you're outside the academic bubble that your, your thugging will change?
1: Oh yeah, I don't give a fuck anymore. Of
0: yeah, but you, but from the outside, from the I know I know who you are, but from the outside, a lot of people would imagine that uh, that that's how that's how you were originally. But w- w- in, in a practical sense, what is gloves off, James, going to look like for for error detection and thuggery?
1: I, I there's there's a point past which when you're in any even even if you're me, there's a point past which in any given academic situation where you if you know you're not going to get Anywhere. There's lots of points where you just retire gracefully. You don't chase that shit up and you don't want to talk about you know, I don't want to take that any further. That's just like nothing's gonna happen. Um, it's just gonna annoy that person, it's just gonna give me a bad reputation, whatever, whatever. Even I can get there. You know? Mm-hmm. I mean it's further down the road than a lot of other people who say, like, well, I'm never gonna be difficult about anything ever again, because it might knock a few points off my alleged star total. <laughs> So I have no reputation to protect anymore. And yeah. meet a lot of pe- I meet a lot of people and the, the the in in general when they describe what I do and what I've done the fact that you want things to be right is generally considered an asset.
0: Are you going to maintain your affiliation? Or is that yeah. Um, uh,
1: I I don't know. I don't I don't think so. Cuz I know I know I there's going to be a huge few- Another one. It's just honestly, sh- shit. I mean, the, the everything. I got whipped till it's so hard doing this. He's like, you'd think that would be a really important question. But I don't even really know. Isn't that mental? Yeah. That would have really mattered to me like six weeks ago. And now, honestly, I don't know. I've had so much going on. Um, so much that it's... It's easy to, I think a lot of the like day-to-day concerns, like part of me was really ready to forget them. I was really ready to be not worried about all that dumb shit. I was really ready to not complain about it. I was just ready to throw it all away.
0: There's no better time than now to pick up some new Everything Hurts merch as we're having a 20% off sale until the end of August just by using the promo code AUGUST. We've got shirts, hoodies, stickers, and our most popular product, the Everything Hurts coffee mug. Check the show notes or everythinghurts.com for a link to our store. What I think is interesting is that you probably could not have done this, as in work in industry, but also continue doing some academic work about 10, 15 years ago because now you can access papers outside of an institutional affiliation. Um, most of the tools are now free. Think if you – say if you needed MATLAB to, to sort of continue the work that you needed or SPSS, heaven forbid, and you didn't have access to those things now. Now it just doesn't matter. So I think – That's good, and it's a reflection of where academia has been going over the past couple of years. It's actually open to anyone, regardless of regardless of whether you're actually attached to an institution or not. That's
1: that's a that's a very good point. I mean, obviously, being in the tent to begin with gives you the the sort of skills and confidence that are necessary to be able to do that. But uh, I saw something I think last week, very briefly. Now more stuff is open access than not. Really? Um, yeah, I believe wow. so. I think the figure was fifty-three percent. I couldn't tell you where I saw that. That's it was in um, some. That's amazing. Deprivation haze. Yeah, but you know, between, um, OA and all the various versions of self archiving and preprints and R and Python and JASP and Jupyter and all of these tools, Overleaf, site.ai, um, which I still use all the time, even at work. I included site in a recent paper, preprint. Yeah, look, between all of this, there's no, like, the, the serious barriers of whatever. I mean, everything's computationally. Uh, the, 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 just the, the, the raw mechanics of the accessibility of tools to be able to do the work. That is different now. It really is. It is different. And a lot of that will figure heavily in what I get to continue to be able to do. Yeah. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, it can, it can make a massive difference. Mm. N- now, now that you're in the, uh, the officially in the wearable space, uh, I want to ask you a, a wearables question. Um, mm, okay. Wh- one of the most common questions that I get, um, I, I occasionally most of my questions are around sort of stats or oxytocin, but I occasionally get some HIV stuff. And yeah,
1: yeah. I know, I know, I know this one, uh, Dan. It's like, when did you have your face and your ass surgically <laughs> interchanged?
0: Cardiac physiology Heather's. Oh, <laughs> Card- oh, oh yeah. Yeah, sorry. Ca- cardiac sorry. physiology. So, sorry. So, so this one is um
1: not your craniorectal problems.
0: <laughs> no, 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 that, no. That, that, that's for the uh, that's for the pa- that's for the Patreon episode. <yeah>. we got to have some value there so one of the questions that i get is um what do you think about the Aura ring. Yeah. So I don't want to specifically mm. talk about the aura ring, but what I do want to talk about is, um, this, uh, this NBA bubble that's happening. So in an effort to resuscitate the NBA season, I don't watch much basketball, as you can probably tell, but in order to resuscitate the season, they're setting up basically everyone together somewhere in Florida and they're playing all the games there and they're using, I believe it's the aura ring or they're using something similar to be able mm. to actually, um, monitor symptoms for, for, for coronavirus. So what is your general take? On the ability for wearables to look at this sort of to to be used in this sort of way.
1: What a good question, and what a and how how dare you present it without letting me presuppose everything? I have four interconnected thoughts on this. Um, let's go from good to bad because that's um that's a fun way of doing it. Um, the good thing is that that is that wearable is a triumph of design. What they've got. In the build that they've got, that's the size that they've managed is, it's a superb demonstration of what happens when you have really good engineers who try really hard to solve one specific problem. The fact that everything that's in that device is in that device is a tremendous compliment to their hardware and firmware Teams in particular, but also whoever did their sensor design, because um, that's not off-the-shelf shit. They built something that is, they built something that I didn't think would be possible. Now I've seen some data from it, so we've gone from the excellent to the good. Now I've seen some data that's from it, and it was better than I expected. I was ready to hate it, right? But because that is my general approach to any piece of hardware. only piece of consumer hardware, I yeah, should say, yeah, because yeah. they they have such a long track record of a track record of being ass meltingly disappointing. Um, I was ready to hate it, and I saw some data that was from it, um, and it looked there were, there's there's a lot of possibilities of what you can actually do with it, and you can get you can get things out of it. You have access that is. It, it seems like it will store and push and then let you retrieve quite a lot of individual pieces of data. So that's good. I mean, it would be very hard for it to be excellent because of where it's mounted, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, What is bad is what people are going to claim to do with it and some places where the marketing goes. So, I mean, there used to be a lot of uh, the shit that they're talking about in Mood. Anyone who's listened to this podcast for more than 20 seconds will know what I think of using physiological indices as a kind of a mood predictor. There's a way, there's a very limited way in which that's possible, but it's kind of an error of language as much as anything else. You can't fucking do that. No. Um, the really bad thing is the idea that if you deploy this in the context of the space that it's in, I think that relying on it, and uh, treating it as a detection level device is crazy. It is absolutely bonkers, and it. I sincerely hope I don't know anything about basketballs right now. Less than usual because they stop shoving it in my face. Um, it it will not be relied upon. They will not use – I mean, even if it's got an oximeter, basically look, the theory that is – and presumably it's related to this. Maybe Yeah, it's, exactly it's, it's related to this, the oximeter. Presumably it's related to this. If you have respiratory difficulties, you are not breathing in enough oxygen. The oxygen goes into your bloodstream through your lunges and then it goes flying out through the rest of your body and the oximeter is shining two types of light in and the differential signal between the red and the infrared spectrum is differentially absorbed slash reflected by oxygenated and deoxygenated hemoglobin. We chuck in a nifty little equation that's a few years old now, and we have an approximation of how much blood is carrying oxygen and how much blood isn't carrying oxygen. And if you have some form of respiratory distress, or you're up the Himalayas, or you're in an unpressurized plane, um, et cetera, et cetera, your blood oxygen will drop and you'll get hypoxic. So what they're hoping is presumably that there's a detection. There's a, uh, there's a, a, an arrow of kind of indicative detection where you look at what the, uh, you look at what the oxygen saturation is from any given person and it will give you some kind of diagnostic feature. Yeah. Now, as far as I can tell, when it comes to the Rona, you are asymptomatic and transmitting the virus everywhere through your sweaty, touchy spot. Way sooner than you suffer from any potential, either like physical respiratory distress or measurable uh, signal change via oximetry. So. Presumably, that's presumably that's what they're thinking of doing. And if that's the case, it's it's incredibly dangerous if you rely on it. Like, we're going to get early detection through this thing. Oh, I'm sure it'll work. But look, maybe it's just a marketing opportunity, and they're just going to wear them and look cool. And it's like going to, it's going to be like that twat that made the headphones a few years ago. They give them to all famous people. Oh, beast! a cool Oh. <laughs> Right, Which okay, well successful. if Apple bought them, they must be dreadful. Okay. <laughs> so maybe it's that, maybe it's just a hella good marketing play and they're not going to use any of this data and it's just a thing. Maybe it's just something they can tell the papers. I, I, I don't know. But I'm really put off by the potential danger of relying on that signal to do that task. Anyway, that's what you get for asking me a question. An actual answer. What do you think of
0: that? That's, that's good. Yeah. Uh, as as we're going to wrap up this episode, I do want to ask you. Obviously, you you went into this industry job with expectations of what industry, industry job entails. Um, because you've done mm. a bit, you've done a bit of consulting, but now that a just, lot, yeah. now now you've actually been doing it. What what's sort of been the biggest mismatch between the reality and what you expected, or has everything been as you you expected, especially in terms of the difference with academia?
1: I spent a very long time putting myself in a place where I didn't think I'd have any mismatched expectations. And if there was, yeah, I think I would have made some kind of horrible mistake if it wasn't what I was expecting. Um, Not necessarily a bad thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, One one thing that's a larger, one thing that's a a larger like yawning gulf than I thought it would be is actually, um, let me, I'll, I'll rephrase. There's always more to do when it comes to papers and science and output. and Ugh. Yeah. You you actually actively cannot do that in some commercial spaces. If you're perpetually distracted by something, you're going to lose the thread of what you're actually doing at the time. It, there's a self-containing thing past which if you keep giving me, if right, right now keep having good ideas and then inflicting them on other people, there's a point past which I'm going to be wasting their time. I'm going to be wasting their time and I'm going to be taking resources away from a task that is critical to the overall health of the company. And I do whatever the fuck I want in my spare time. But there is this odd self-limiting nature at the center of it where you make decisions about the right things and you put as much effort as can be fit into them. into them. But because a lot of the time you're waiting for other people to make a decision or other people to do something. There's a point past which your personal obligation to work yourself into putty is minimized. And it's interesting to have a lot to do, but at the same time, not feel like, oh, I could go out and do it because you can have any tomfool idea you like, you know? Oh, let's make an entirely new piece of hardware. We'll talk about everything the company does some other time. This is not, uh, we've run out of space. It's It's interesting that it's self-limiting like that. Well, I mean, you think, well, the commercial environment's wide open. Is, we can build anything we want. We can sell anything we want to anyone. We can measure anything. We can have any collaboration. We can apply for any business development grant, whatever. You can do all of those things, but they're all such big things that the moment you fall off what you're doing, they're a problem. So it's not a matter of you're not allowed to do them as much as if you did them. Um, everyone would be mystified and annoyed
0: and is it because there are more people relying on you
1: There's a lot of people a lot of people in a continual network of inter-reliabilities
0: yes because that seems to be the biggest difference with academia because you're you're just you know the only people relying on you are people in your lab for instance rather than mm. an entire an entire organization if you yeah, don't often. get your, your 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 article in the fancies um, your university is going to be like okay but uh, I think there's, there's, there's a big difference when you're actually in industry and you have to get some uh, get some outcomes. Well, there's a goal. Well,
1: yeah. Look, it's not- it's In some realistic sense, it's not any, it's not any easier. The, 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 problems, the problems are broader. There's more ways to solve the problems, which is, is interesting. Um, and you don't have a problem space a lot of the time. It's not a matter of you write this thing, it has this format, it takes these measurements, it goes to that place. That's all gone. There's now infinite ways to solve any given problem. Cool. There's, I mean, and that consists of everything from ignoring it and not doing it and doing something else or coming up with a different technical solution or paying someone else to help you or figuring it out yourself, which is much, much less common, as I said before, because you really need the available skill set. The other thing is like the speed. You have a certain amount of resources available. You have a certain amount of opportunities. Everything is married together with that all the time, and it goes very, very fast. I really like the the speed, the kind of full-court press nature of everything.
0: Yeah, pace is really attractive. I,
1: I, did, I did wonder whether or not it would suit me, and one of the problems that I've always had previously is if I was doing work that was in tasks like this, it was while I was doing an academic job on top of it. And that hurt that was really hard, and it's just a different headspace, but it's just the time it kind of uh, it just it it just it just pulls you to pieces mm. um, I think also if there's one other thing that I've noticed everywhere is that people are unless it's in i'm sure there's industries where this isn't true, but in my limited experience so far, people are much better at taking care of themselves,
0: interesting, yeah. Okay. As in what just, um, not working themselves to death.
1: Um, I'd say it's, it's normal to, at least like now in these circumstances, it's normal to exercise. It's normal to have PTO. Yeah. Um, it's normal to, it's normal to think about what condition that you're in. and have other people need to rely on you to make good decisions and have your head in the right place. And, you know, I'm sure that changes a lot between companies and individuals and industries, but I don't get the sense, I mean, there's a lot of external contact with other people, so I don't get the sense that it's much different elsewhere. But the whole, like, I was never very good at being a martyr. You know, I mean, I just am. I don't expect anyone to be, you know, I expect everyone to be like vaguely dismissive of the fact that I'm exhausted, like, I can't manage my shit properly. (laughs) You know, I was like, oh, I'm trying so hard, give me bonus points. There's no bonus points for trying too hard. Um, there's only what gets done and what doesn't, yeah. Oh man, what's and what's important or what isn't.
0: That's such a big difference.
1: Well, yes, this is the thing. If I really want to extend myself, then um, what I need is a, you know, if I'm suddenly compelled to go and work myself in a blood putty, <laughs> what I really need is a is a side job, frankly. Yeah, that's the only sane way to make that mental distinction. At least that's how it feels so far. You can continue to check in over time. Yeah, and Find out whether or not that's in any way accurate. How long's it been now? <laughs> a month, a couple of weeks. Oh God, a little while. Um. I guess formally maybe three weeks. Um, yeah, yeah. I think three weeks. Uh, yeah, the contract that, contract at the university finished on the third, so I think it will be about three weeks. No, this is it. Will be three weeks down tomorrow. There you go. Yeah. Well, we're I'm, gonna I look. I will. I'll. I'll get used to it. I'll be fine. And. I'll still be here, and we're going to have a whole new perspective on things.
0: Yeah, I'm looking forward to that. Well, we're gonna we have the we have the, the third hersey that's who's joined us. Um, maybe you can, uh, we can we can get a get a meow. Is that not going to happen?
1: Oh, I think it's a little bit too hot. For yeah. That kind of silliness. <laughs> maybe <laughs> not going to participate. Him, maybe if we just hold him like this, maybe.
0: No. Uh, last time we did that, please, last time we did that, listeners didn't believe us. They thought that it was you doing like a fake meow. <laughs> yeah. Should, should have showed them the video. Well, but we yeah. we <laughs> we're going to wrap up for this episode. Uh, thanks for listening to the show, and we'll be back again soon with the next episode of Everything else.
1: I'm going to wave with the cat. Bye.